0: All right, good, uh, good evening to you. Uh, just a, a couple of notes. Uh, if you are uh, visiting with us, we have usually dedicated Sunday evenings to uh, a, more of a class, uh, well, as one preacher said it, he says, I, I do the same thing, it's called a classy sermon. So a little bit of sermon, a little bit of classy uh, on your part. <laughs> Uh, at any rate, uh, so I've t- there's a number of questions that have come in and I've appreciated the questions. Really thoughtful questions that have come into a question box. You're welcome to continue to uh, to add questions to that. It's a great time to, to talk about some of these uh, questions as a church. One of the, the goals that the Lord gave us is in Ephesians chapter 4, where he challenged us to uh, the whole congregation to come to the Uh, unity the faith and the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man to a mature person and so as a group it's helpful that we actually study together and uh, and talk about some of the questions that we have and help us come to that unity of the faith and grow into maturity the question this evening has to do with prayer and providence and i'll give you the Uh, The specific question, which I I thought was just a wonderful question, has actually a number of questions that are embedded in it. Uh, The question being, how do we understand God's providence? I would take that as, first and foremost, uh, 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 the foundational uh, part of the question. And if I pray for something and it does does or does not happen, was that God or just chance? And then adding a third point, to an unbeliever, this would seem like a confirmation bias. All right, so I, I, I gave. Uh, I probably spent uh, far more minutes. In fact, a lot of minutes, <laughs> uh, rereading it, rereading it, trying to see uh, what uh, the question entailed here trying to, to, to figure it out as best as best I could. Uh, so we'll, we'll begin, this is, these are the four points that I, I want to cover. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it tonight, It's uh, I think possible. Uh, first one, just get a, a brief general understanding of prayer and its purpose. Uh, secondly, uh, we need to discern, how can we discern an answer to prayer? Is this God or is this chance or you know how how do are we supposed to discern this uh thirdly uh and I think it's important embedded in this prayer is uh what are God's promises uh, concerning answered prayer and answering our prayers we need to have some trust in that and then finally uh how is providence fit in to uh and relate to prayer uh what what is that so this this is where the direction uh, then we'll go and uh, I'll, I'll entertain uh, obviously as we usually do uh, maybe some questions or comments from you and as well uh, uh, as I will uh, also present some things uh, on, on my side of it. So let, let's start just with a few things on introduction just a general understanding of prayer and I think the first thing to note here is that prayer prayer is an act of faith. And an act of dependence on God Um, I'm afraid we miss that I I know that's a challenge for every one of us it uh, has been for me in my life as well and as I've aged I think I'm coming closer to grasping the idea that that this is an act of trust in someone greater uh, someone who has it together from someone who doesn't have it together (laughs) and someone who needs to be dependent upon him. Now, when we say dependence on God, that is where I think uh, it is hardest to evaluate our prayers and the direction of our prayers. If I'm truly dependent on God, I should not care how he answers it. You think? i need to be so dependent upon him that in whatever direction he feels that he needs to go with me and my life and however he feels like that needs to be answered that is certainly his prerogative and i need to rejoice over it so tell me why would i need to rejoice over it it's why? His will. It's his will. and why why his will better he's <laughs> That's his thoughts isaiah 55 right His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. His ways are greater than my ways. Do you find yourself at times, though, when you're praying, or at least the thought of, I need to pray to God about this, that maybe you have a pretty good idea of what you think the outcome ought to be? It's pretty easy to do, isn't it? Where, well, I I just, you know, obviously this would be the correct way to answer the prayer. (laughs) And so we can get a little pushy uh, with that instead of really when, as Jesus said in the garden, your will, not mine be done. Are we willing, really willing to admit that, that his will be done. And if his will is that I suffer through some things, that is okay with me. It's not my life. It's his. And I do not have a right to dictate to him what my life ought to be. Uh, I've mentioned this briefly in passing in some of the lessons I've given on Sunday morning, that uh, can you imagine being... um, any one of the apostles, any one of the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, whom God called to be his prophet, to be his apostle in an early part of his life, in the young twenties, and him saying, like, Jeremiah, here's going to be your life. And If it were a 23-year-old today, and and if a 20 year old Barry maybe even, I can imagine, uh, time out, I kind of had some plans. (laughs) Right? I I, I had some plans. And uh, what what does entail what you're talking about? And God is saying, well, what I'm talking about is you haven't got any plans anymore. All that you have planned, you can just throw that away because now your life is mine and I want you to do this. Even though maybe we are not, of course, in that same position, any week of our life, any day of our life, any month of our life, or year or years of our life need to be treated that way. Total dependence. So That would be the first thing I would suggest all of us need to work on. That prayer is the most beautiful, wonderful, fantastic gift that God has ever given to man other than the death of Jesus. But on the basis of his death, he says, you can talk to me. And I, I just... Cannot get over what a blessing uh, that is, uh, that He he allows us to do that, and promises that He will hear us. So that'd be the first thing I I, I would suggest here. Secondly, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 2, uh, Paul says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions that we meet a, may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Uh, the reason I, there's a lot we could say about that, but just notice the different kinds of prayers there. And, and, and from that, I, I, would, I would suggest that, that prayer, both privately, but especially publicly, but certainly both privately and publicly, is, is occasional in nature. Uh, In other words, it, it has an occasion. There's occasions for supplications. And occasions for intercessions, occasions for prayers for all, all people, uh, maybe in government like this, for kings. I wonder how often Paul just went to prayer with God and talked about his upcoming meeting with Nero or prayed concerning the leadership there. And that was the focus of his prayer. I say that because sometimes we go to God in prayer and we're, and we're just trying to think of a million things we ought to be saying. Instead of being more focused, uh, there are occasions for prayer. And that's uh, certainly true with our public prayer. And that's why I, I just mentioning, of course, uh, well, when you women are meeting only, you know, think of your prayers when you're leading prayer in which it, you have an occasion, And it is not the time, necessarily, to uh, go on about everything that you could possibly pray about, but it is a time in which to set up the occasion that you are there uh just like Chip and I were talking about this uh prior like an opening prayer and, and I thought Chip had a good point is an occasion to prepare ourselves for the worship we're about to do and not necessarily a time to pray about everything we could possibly think of uh things like the, a, a closing prayer very very similar we have in public prayer we more have an occasion like that uh that is important uh that we that we do and 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 then just finally here. Prayer is about talking to God. Uh, not anybody else. In other words, prayer is not a time to preach to the congregation or whoever might be listening to the prayer. Can you imagine you and your wife praying and you start praying and, and saying, uh, you know, I sure hope my wife becomes more submissive someday and, you know, maybe to go on about that. It's not just having a conversation with her. <laughs> uh, don't try this at home, by the way, guys. I I'd, uh, would uh, discourage that. <laughs> at any rate, think about what prayer is and when we're for example leading in prayer we're we are praying on behalf of and including the congregation not preaching to the church but we're including them in so that we're all praying this together and in that regard you know think about how you would pray individually Uh, And is it materially different in how you would talk to God privately and how you would talk to God publicly? In other words, if you're talking to God publicly in the sense like the Pharisees did where you're talking to everybody else and and that kind of, then, then something's wrong. Talk to God in the sense of. We're talking to you, God. We're not talking to anybody else. And that's, uh, I think, important. Anyway, those are some things that I think we just think about as we just introduce the idea. Those are gen- general things, introducing the idea of, of prayer. Um, now, let's go on to the next uh, next uh, question here. Uh, just discerning the answer to prayer, uh, as the questionnaire said, uh, is that God or is that chance? Now, it's, it's quite common, and, and you and I have probably all done it at times, to uh, to make some guesses concerning what God is doing, and uh, and especially maybe when it comes to answer a prayer, uh, what what really is going on here? And maybe believers, a lot of times we might point to an event and say well uh, you know I'm, I'm just sure God answered that prayer uh, and and uh, nothing wrong with nothing wrong with that but let's uh, let's talk about a few things as far as sometimes guessing what God is doing take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 16. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse uh, 16. The the preacher here gives us some pretty good information about how we're to look look at the work of God. So, uh, and I I would encourage you, by the way, sometimes just read all of chapter 8 and at least the first half of chapter 9. And you'll get a better idea of this whole thing. But Beginning in 8.16. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out, the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. But all this I said, I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and the deeds... And their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all. Does the same event happen to the righteous and and the wicked and the good and the evil, to the clean and unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice? As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. Now, that somewhat introduces the subject of the question that was asked uh, how do I know when it's God or chance <laughs> how do I know I know how would an unbeliever look at this they would just look at it like well it was just chance why are you saying it's an answer uh, to prayer and, and I, I would just suggest from this this particular text that there is some truth to that it's very, very difficult to figure out how God is working in certain ways and what really is happening here. As a matter of fact, and this is something we've gone over before, but there are five reasons at least that events happen in this life. And I'd like to see if you, since I've done this before with you a while back, can you name five reasons? Anybody name, first start with one. What, what, what's one reason the Bible teaches that you can say an event happens because of Yeah, God's will. So there's, God has decided to do something intervening or however he does it providentially. God has done something. He directly did it in one way or another. Okay, that's one. What's another? Satan did it. Satan did it. That's right. So I think that's the, maybe the, yeah, God did it. And the second one, Satan did it. That's right. You see that in the book of Job? Satan did all kinds of things. And everybody would have gone to the insurance company and say it was an act of God. You know, lightning came down from heaven and killed all my kids and destroyed my house. It's an, it was an act of God. Well, that actually is an act of Satan. So those two, what's another? Time and chance. Time and chance. That's right. Uh, chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes. We're right there, verse 11 and 12. The race is not to the swift, to the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, uh, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those who are knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. doesn't matter who you are, righteous, unrighteous, whatever, you're at the wrong place at the wrong time and boom. You're dead or there was some terrible thing that happened or whatever. Uh, that's, that's just the way life is. Time and chance happens. Ever By the way, that particular point is the most unbelieved point in the religious world. Almost nobody believes that, even though it says it very, very plain. Most people say God did everything or Satan did everything or, you know, something like this. God's always the one directed it. No, time and chance. Uh, God has stepped back enough where things do happen. Okay? Can you name another? Say again. I did it. did it. Okay, yeah. So, so then we have something like the consequences of choices we make. Proverbs talks about if you do this, you take this path, more likely than not, here will be the consequences. If you take this other path, more likely than not, here will be the results of that. Whether good or bad, you make good choices, you have usually less trial and less difficulty. You're not creating your own uh, mess <laughs> and falling into your own trap as opposed to uh, taking a, an unwise uh, a choice. So we, we do it. And, and then we've, oh, I, I blew it right there. That was the fifth one. Answer, answer to prayer. Uh, so uh, we have these five things. Uh, God answers prayer. Uh, and then time and chance happened to everybody. All right. So th- those five things. Now, if you just thought about praying and uh, and it came about and you got to heaven one day and you said to God, um, hey, that was really cool. I prayed. I want to know how you answered that prayer. And he said, actually, uh, I looked ahead and realized it was going to work out just fine, time and chance was going to take care of it, and I really didn't do anything. Can you imagine that answer? <laughs> but it was still God, was it not? It was still God going, I, I, I did check out and make sure it was going to happen, but everything was working fine, and I let it go ahead and work out. That's great. Uh, Or he he might have said, you know, uh, so-and-so over here was working for you and working in a direction to help you. And I let the consequences of their work work out to your good. Or he may have said, good thing you prayed. Because it was going to be a mess. And I intervened and I did something about it. And here's what I did. There could be any number of things, but bottom line is, how are we going to treat it as blind to spiritual ideals as we are? Regardless, we're always going to give thanks. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and uh, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. And with thanksgiving and the peace of God will uh, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, regardless, we, we do not have to get into the business of figuring out how, why, when, um, all, of those, all of those kinds of questions. Well, that then leads also uh, to us stopping for a second and, uh, and just talking about God's answers to prayer and what his promises are. So let's hit some passages right quick. Over in 1 John, for example, uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 through 15. 1 John 5 verse 13. And John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. By the way, all the way through 1 John, John wants every Christian to have a whole lot of confidence. Not only in their salvation, but in the fact that God is answering their prayer and God is with them. So it goes on, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Now, the only thing I would caution there is, does that mean that whatever we ask, it's always going to be answered specifically in the way that we've asked? Would anybody have a good reason why you would hope that wouldn't happen? Why would you not want God to answer all your prayers exactly the way you ask? I made two. One, he knows better than I do, so not Greg said choose me if (laughs) he has his reasons. But I think another reason is we have such a limited view of our life and of the world and things around us that. if God answered our prayers exactly the way we wanted, not only may it not benefit us, who knows better, but also it may have that, that method of answer may have some negative impact to others, which I think on the slide before you talk about the consequences of choice, I think we do have to remember that when God answers a prayer for us, frequently that impacts others, and so that impacts how we can answer. From. I'm going to get buried, whatever he wants. And whatever yeah. he's, to That's right. so, yeah, he's he's not a genie in the bottle and uh, granting us uh, you know unlimited number of wishes. A reminder here: you remember in Matthew seven uh, verses seven through eleven, he said, "Ask and you shall receive; seek and you find; knock and to be open to you." And he says, "And what father, if his child asks for a fish?" Would give him, or bread, would he give him a stone? A fish, would he give him a scorpion? Something like that. Reverse that. If I ask for a scorpion, is he not going to give me a fish? (laughs) If I ask for a stone, is he not going to give me bread? That's what a good father and mother would do, right? If our children ask for something we know that is bad for them, we are going to certainly seek to do them good, and the, the request is important to us as a parent, but we're going to answer that request in the way that it is best for the outcome of our children's growth, and we would have confidence that our Father in heaven would be better than we are as parents and certainly do that. So we don't want to make this, uh, you don't want to read this, obviously, and make this some kind of of a blanket. Oh, whoopee, you know, I've always wanted a BMW motorcycle. I think I'll start praying. Uh, maybe you're going to crash on that BMW motorcycle and God would prefer you not doing that. Uh, so there's, there's other ways of, of certainly, uh, looking at that, but you notice the confidence there. He does hear and he, if he's hearing, is that not what we want? We want, we want a place at the table. That's the blessing. We have a place at the table where we can express our heart's desires. And God has promised, I'm going to hear them. And my answer is going to be for the best of you. Now, what, what better than that? It's like, yippee. That's dependence. That's just the best of the best. But there is a absolute promise here uh, about that. Uh, just a chapter before, chapter 3 of uh, 1 John and uh, verse, verse 19, he says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever, whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. All right, so there's, a, there's an interesting little statement here. and don't have a lot of time to get into this part of it. But an interesting statement here is, is if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and he knows everything. So you ever lived your, in, in your living of your Christian life? And I, I'm confident no one would raise their hand here. But have, have you never had where your heart is like condemning you and you're thinking, I just don't know if God can save me? Ever Ever, ever had that? You know, well... I hope, uh, I I would imagine most all of us have. Where we're just like, boy, I'm just really feeling condemned right now. Uh, Just not feeling as confident as I would like to feel. I know I've failed in certain ways. And I believe what he's saying here, he's not talking about rebellious people. I believe what he's saying is there's going to be times in your life where your heart's going to condemn you. And he says, I'm greater than your heart. I'm greater than your heart. And, and you need to understand that I know, I know your desires for me and your loyalty and, and you should, you, you have to have confidence in me, not your heart. Your heart's going dis, to, dis, your heart's going to mess you up and deceive you at times. And how many times does God want give us confidence that you're going to save us? And that's why he turns around and when your heart does not condemn you, you have this confidence. You can pray and you can receive what you've asked for because you please him. That's the idea. Keep his commandments and you please him. There's, there's a, so just another promise of this. Um, we uh, in, in, uh, take a look at John 14 very quickly. Uh, I, I really have always been impressed uh, with this is this promise that Jesus gives here. Even though he's only in the presence of his apostles, he uses terms here that refers to any believer. John 14, verse 12, Jesus said, uh, Truly, I truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Now, you can stop right there and know the works that I do is not referring to miracles. <laughs> uh, obviously, because... All believers didn't do the miracles Jesus did. But then he goes on, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Okay, he, he talked about that when he said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all prophets, but those in the kingdom are greater than he. Because of their mission is greater, and they will be doing things that no one before ever did, and even greater works than Jesus was doing, because we're going to bring people into the kingdom, whereas Jesus was setting it up. So, greater works are you can do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Um, That is, read this sometime, go back to Isaiah 49 sometime. We don't have time to do it tonight. Go back to Isaiah 49, and the whole prophecy is that through the disciples, all who follow Jesus, the light will go out to the world and to the end of the earth. And by that, God is glorified. God chose Jesus to have his name glorified. And God chose us to be fellow workers with Jesus so that his name would be glorified. And basically, just narrow it down. Jesus is saying to all disciples who believe in him, um, whatever you need, to be a co-worker with me in bringing the light to the world? Just ask. I'm going to help you. So how are we doing with that one? Intimidation, I don't know if this is going to work, I don't know if I could do that, I'm scared, uh, I don't know if he'll answer, blah, 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 blah. He says, look, when you're going out and you're going about to do something, that I've asked you to do that will give glory to our Father, you ask, I'll work through it with you. I'll help you. I'll be there for you to do that. That's a terrific promise. By the way, it says the same thing in chapter fifteen and verse seven and eight when he talks about I'm divine, you the branches. Fifteen, seven, and eight, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you by this my Father is glorified. So he's limiting that to requests that would have to do with glorifying the Father. That's that's the that's the realm of my will, if you will. Yes, Rick. Sometimes we don't pray as much about spiritual things as we pray about physical things. It's like Matthew 6, 33, see first the kingdom, yeah. and you have these other things. And so in my mind, that probably translates to prayer more as well. Like it, when we read it, is in accordance with God's it, He'll give it to us if it's accordance to his will, he's probably not talking about the new car. Yeah. yeah. That's right. He's talking about, like you said, are yeah. you doing Can I use you as my servant? And can you pray to be used as a servant? Then I'll answer that prayer. Yeah, and that, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I really, really believe that is one of our greatest failures, is uh, we, we we are starting the pattern of the Lord's Prayer with the fourth request instead of the first three. (laughs) We're starting our prayers with our own personal comfort instead of use me, how can I help have your name held in honor and holy and hallowed. How can I bring God's kingship into the hearts of men? How can I uh, cause the world to be obedient to you as it is in heaven? You know, those are where we need to concentrate. Thank you, that's, that's exactly right. And that, that's a tremendous emphasis here. Very, very good. Okay, so uh, that's, that's, that's the first thing I had to say. Now, when, I, I have to say when I, and there's no, no offense to anybody, but when, when, I, when I read the, uh, the question more, uh, just from uh, if I pray for something and it does or doesn't not happen, was that God or just chance? And it almost, whether intentionally or not intentionally, suggests a problem of doubt. Be careful. Be careful about doubting. Is this God's word? So my my question do I ask myself when I I think of those things, is this God's word and did he promise to answer? He did. Now, what's my job? Don't doubt that. (laughs) Don't doubt that. If you can't see it, that doesn't mean it isn't answered. And there's a lot of things we need to consider with that. So uh, remember what James says in James chapter 1 uh, when he talks about prayer. Uh, and it's a very, very direct uh, 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 point here concerning going through a trial. If you lack wisdom, James 1.5, let him ask of God. Uh, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Maybe the reason we haven't seen answers to prayer is because as we pray, we're thinking in terms of, well, I'm sure he probably wouldn't do this. Good job. (laughs) That's not a proper approach, especially concerning if the prayer is in line with, obviously, what God has given us permission to pray for. James 4 says we're not allowed to pray to satisfy our own desires, our own lusts. So be careful. If we trust God, then that is a critical part of what we do. Now, here's some of the problems that happen, especially during trials is our expectations are we're going to get an answer to prayer within a certain period of time. Is that fair? Can you think of somebody who made this mistake? Other than Zechariah and Elizabeth that we have on the screen. And we don't know that they made the mistake. But can you think of somebody who obviously made the mistake? Pardon? Isaac? Okay. Uh, With Isaac, you mean the, yeah, the, the, the prayer that, yeah. Abraham, Abraham, you know, why don't we have a kid? And Isaac, uh, he does, eat when his wife is barren, then he does pray and is answered after 20 years of barrenness. But yeah, Abraham and Sarah took things in their own hands. And, uh, uh, you know, you get the Hagar and, and the whole thing. Uh, What about Job? Job had strong expectations that this ought to end. This isn't right. (laughs) What what was read for us in Luke 18? Though he delay (laughs) at times, are you going to have the kind of faith that continues to pray when the Lord returns? Are you going to be the one who gives up? And his whole point of the parable was he gave an encouragement. Men ought always to pray and not, old King James, faint. (laughs) Not give up. So are we going to have that kind of trust? Imagine all the prayers that Zachariah and Elizabeth uh, had for uh, a son. And I think of how old were they, maybe in their 70s, maybe even eighty by the time Zechariah has his one chance in a lifetime to go into the holy place and offer incense. You know, that will happen one week out of the life of a priest. Lot falls to him. He walks in there the first day. Angel appears. Boom! He about has a heart attack. (laughs) The angel says, don't fear. You're going to have a son. Oh, second heart attack. You know, what are you, whoa. What are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? You know, your prayer is heard, the angel said. Wait a minute. That prayer we were uttering 40 years ago and gave up <laughs> because we got old? Uh, what, what was that? You can see how the prayer was answered. But in whose time? Yeah, in God's time. matter. I think. If a non-believer is is involved, in, say, well, "You're just this is just confirmation bias." And I don't know if you're going to get to that or not, but I think I think there's a concept here that it is prayer doesn't make sense to non-believers, so I wouldn't spend a lot of time exactly. on it. Uh, <laughs> it, it it's, it's just like so many things. If Wrong If someone start. doesn't believe, if someone doesn't believe in God the Father that He loves you unconditionally, why are they going to have both how they understand yeah. what we believe about prayer. And so uh, there are lots more important things to talk to that person about before right. you try to respond to them if your prayer was answered. Prayer and the answer to prayer is not the basis upon which we are going to try to teach an unbeliever. That's not evidence uh, in, in the rock solid kind of way for one who's an unbeliever, exactly right. Think about the questions, by the way, that when you read the book of Job, uh, which uh, all of those uh, speeches that so many people tend to skip from chapter 3 through uh, chapter 37, uh, please don't skip those uh, because uh, when you read those, you can get into the heart of Job. And you can see the flaws and the mistakes that Job makes. Now, Job's lifted up as a great guy of of faith and and patience, etc., because he never denied God. But it doesn't mean he didn't have to repent. And he made some mistakes. Uh, And so when you go through that, you see the questions. And by the way, when you go through a serious trial and you know the book of Job, you will find yourself saying the same questions. Saying the same things that he said. So what was really, you know, the problem? Job is ex- not only expecting an answer to the prayer now. He's, answer- he's wanting to know answers to the prayer in a certain way. And he starts going, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And why don't, why don't you let me die? <laughs> Top of the list prayer. And then at least... Take away, I can't even sleep without the nightmares. And then I can't even swallow my own spit. It hurts so bad. You know, he's, he's just identifying everything he can identify. as the. Like, why don't you change this? Why don't you change this? Why don't you change this? And do you remember God's answer? His answer is basically, it's none of your business. I own you. And I'm going to do what I believe is best for you. You need to I said that because I didn't want to say it in English. <laughs> for the young people's fault. <laughs> in other words, shut up. <laughs> you need to be quiet. And what does Job do? Shut my mouth. <laughs> he says, sure, I, I have spoken where I should not speak. Very, very important. Those are the ways that we need to be careful about uh, with prayer. And so then that, uh, that leads, how was an unbeliever evaluate this? We've, we've talked about that, that uh, it's just not the basis upon which you prove the existence of God or not. You're not going to get into that kind of discussion whatsoever. Uh, and not only that, it would assume for an unbeliever, you would have to have a very, very specific prayer and say, see, it happened. And, and the unbeliever would have to be able to say, there was no chance that would have happened otherwise. Well, you're not going to likely have that uh, kind of, uh, of situation. So, like, for example, consider all the years that Joseph must have prayed. 23 years, and he can't get an answer, and he can't get an answer, and it's not until he's 39 or 40 years old that finally he goes, aha, <laughs> this is what God was doing. And God is answering, but totally different than I've ever imagined. Uh, so that's uh, that critically important. All right, let's finally uh, just uh, hit on providence and prayer and, and what this is. Let me give you an idea first off of, of providence itself. The word is never used in the Bible concerning God. So how do we usually talk about providence? We usually talk about the providence of God. But the word is never used in the Bible concerning God. Though The word is used. But not concerning God. It is implied from the definition of the word providence that it is certainly something that God uses, but we need to understand that. So here's just uh, passages real quickly. Uh, Acts 24, verse 2, Tertullus, the uh, lawyer on the other side of Paul. Since, though, since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, there's that word in the Greek would be providence, most excellent Felix reforms being made for this nation. Or Romans 13, 4, Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision there's the word providence, for the flesh to gratify his desires. Uh, 1 Timothy 5a, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we, what we have here is the definition of providence in the Greek is basically providing by forethought by achieve, for achieving some particular purpose. So you're, you're, you're planning, you're providing, you have a purpose, and you're figuring out how to go about uh, accomplishing that particular purpose. And we see the Lord doing that in Ephesians 1, 4. Uh, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He's planning something before the foundation of the world. He predestined us for adoption according to the purpose of his will. He predetermines. He has a purpose. He goes about fulfilling the purpose. One, nine, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the pur- his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So you're seeing providential care. God is doing things in which he determines he will accomplish that. And that's how he goes about uh, fulfilling. And we, we could, you, you would know this. You, can, you could multiply passages that would show God's uh, purposes and how he goes about fulfilling those purposes. So God working providentially or working miraculously, though, is not the same. Now, here's the problem with the present-day religious terminology. Anything God does, they conclude that was a miracle. No. Uh, in the Bible, miracles are spoken of as things that God did through Jesus, the apostles, and others who were gifted in order to prove that his word is true, in order to prove that he has intruded into this world to bring about salvation. Uh, providence would not be used for that. I mean, in Acts, Acts 4.16, you have unbelievers, the San Sanhedrin Council, The unbelievers say that that a notable miracle has been done in our presence. We cannot deny it. Everybody sees it. They're not going to believe, but they recognize a miracle. That is not true with providence. An unbeliever would not and usually could not discern. A a act of providence. They discern a miracle, but not an act of God's providence. And, and a simple example of that is how would an historian answer how did, uh, what, what happened that caused Assyria to go in and destroy the northern kingdom of Israel? And they would go through, well, here was the history of it, and here was how the Assyrian king thought, and here's what he would do. Well, Isaiah 10 verse 5 says, I did it. <laughs> God says, "I raised up the Assyrians so they would go do it." But then he even says in that passage, "He thinks," referring to the Assyrian king, "he thinks he's also going to destroy Judah." Ha ha ha. He's not. God was in control of what's going on. Miracle? No. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he did it. I don't care how he did it. He said he did it. No historian uh, other than a person who was a Christian would, would draw that conclusion. Same thing with God's punishment on the Roman Empire. In, uh, in Revelation 8, you have prayers that go up with the incense in a figurative way to God. And the answer to the prayer is the angels taking fire and casting it down to earth and starting to punish and destroy Rome. Now, all of you have read, um, you know, the, uh, the, what was that book? The Histories of the Roman Empire. Yeah, I mean, you've all uh, spent, uh, you know, numerous years uh, studying that. Uh, But if you read that, I'm sure he never says in those volumes that, uh, you know, after all, I could just write a page on this because God did it. No, they're going to give all the political and all the various things and the barbarians and, you know, all the things that came along and God goes, I did it. I did it, and that's true with all the empires, etc. So, prov- providence happens without it being discernible by the average person. Even for the Christian, it's not discernible until, like in Joseph's case, it gets way down the line. He's able to look back and go, "Oh, hey, how about this? We and the have prayed and prayed and prayed." that they would get the child in California. And God said, I'll double that and gave them twins in Indiana. Indiana. I just broke down and cried last night after he told me that. that. That's just amazing. Wow. You ask an unbeliever that, they're going to go, ah. They can ah all they want we can to give glory to God. And that's uh, the Many other texts on this, by the way, as far as God's providence with us. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And with, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, is it not God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure? How's that working? I don't know. Don't care. He does it. Uh, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, the peace of God, surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you be, don't be anxious about anything, First Timothy 2, 1 through 4, how God works with kings and rulers in order for us to live a quiet and peaceable life so that all can be saved. We need to be praying about that, not just about our own quiet, peaceable life, but quiet and peaceable life so that we can save others, so we can teach others. All of that is critical. And the final thing, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find that kind of faith? That's that's what we need here. All right? Oops. We're going to sing a song. And obviously, we can help anybody in any way. This is a great time to do that or talk to us, any of us elders or whatever, uh, afterward, that'd be great. Uh, Let's stand and sing.